2: helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. I am super charged up to hear from callers today about tough talks they're having. And we are starting right here locally in uh, this New York City area in Brooklyn with Eric. Eric, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, Molly. Thank you. Great to be here, awesome. great to be
2: anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that is It's great to be, like, just all pause for a moment and really celebrate
1: that.
2: (laughs) Uh, Okay, Eric, what is on your mind?
1: Uh, You know, I've just been working on a couple of um, projects that I think might, as I listen to the the past episodes, and think how we use language and words and all that stuff and and some stuff really just jumped out at me with a couple of uh, uh, clients I'm working with. Uh, One is called type. It's Kite. Global. Yeah, uh, They're called Kite.Global. When they do it's team and leadership coaching, which is a really full space of real people, but it's also full of cliches and stuff like that. So what really struck me about them is they've attacked it with basically a new language, and they've attacked it directly. Like, for example, your team is even though you may get along well, you may catch each other falling backwards in the woods and whatnot, it may not be a real team. <laughs> it may not. You can have full trust and still be a well underperforming or not a team at all. So they've gone through their own methodology to actually show people this and prove you know, that we're going to move from point A to point B and all of that. It just was accomplished with attacking the language head-on. So that's what was really fun to me as I'm working with them.
2: That's so great. And I miss the group that you're working with. And so they are doing coaching. Just give me a little bit more context, Eric. Uh,
1: yes. It's called KITE, K-I-T-E. And they're, they're at kite.global. If you want to look them up, but they, they're a UN uh, centered advisory, meaning not affiliated with, but a lot of their clients are at the, uh, there are UN agencies and uh, they, and things of that nature, and also in the wider humanitarian and development space. And so, like for example, like take uh, Nature Conservancy, Hong Kong was one of their clients they worked with uh, out in Hong Kong and in doing investigations of, you know, how can we get this team, for, for them and for anyone else, to function truly as a team. So there's a the definitive methodology and. and definitive language that goes along with it that I hadn't seen before because I was really skeptical in the space, <laughs> as I told them before I started working with them. <laughs> you know, I see a I lot of it. coaching, but you, when you want the definitive, how can I get from A to B? I mean, fully believe in coaching because we watch the NFL, the NBA, and nobody ever disagrees with a coach there. But when you say you have an executive coach, the skepticism gets a little higher just because the norms aren't as consistent. But you yeah. know, like I said, there's a lot that's good out there and I love to bump into people who are doing the work like
2: that. Yeah, I love this. Let's make this a little bit more real for listeners because I think, you know, and I, I think people can nod their heads. You can have trust in that obviously it is essential. And as I've said before, mm-hmm. vulnerability is a must for trust and that's a starting point and it's foundational, but it doesn't mean you're high performing. So just give us some examples of language that you think helps make it more explicit for teams, let's say, to know that maybe they're not as much of a team as they think, or that they are functioning at right. a
1: high Right. It's it's just, uh, I'll give a specific case without the uh, the client we were working with, which is as simple as what do you do, but then going farther to what are the responsibilities that you have. On whom do you depend for your work? And so this team had begun to disband a whole unit. And so we came in to to take a look at, okay, let's not look at the business per se. Let's look at first at who's running the business. And so when we got down to those dependencies, on whom do you depend? And so right there, it takes the you're not doing well. It takes the your, your part is slacking. You know, we we raised the conversation up to the design of the team without saying words like, you know, we're going to help you design the team on whom you do depend for this work. What would make an ideal scenario for you, regardless of the people on whom you depend, yeah. uh, uh, a querying like that, and then a series of surveys that, that came after it. But the entry point was it was just different. It wasn't. Like, hey, let's go attack this problem. Is hey, let's look at the anatomy of this team as we have it right now, and so that that gave people a chance to discover uh, a less combative or a less defensive way to get at it. You know, what do you need to get this thing done? And we, yeah. with, but in terms of the people, and what do you what do you perceive as those persons? What is what is their responsibility in this space? And immediately you're going to discover gaps. You're going to discover assumptions and things like that, but without the defensiveness of, you know, that was my job. That was his job. That was her job. So.
2: Well, two things that come out, I love this. And the two things I call it are this notion of the curiosity, the asking yes. the questions in an open ended way. So you're helping people create the possibility of what great could look like. And Absolutely. that what you're calling out is just, it's it's about how do we help the whole not kind of me, you with this personal kind of level. Well, they're not doing this or I've done all this. And I get that for folks out there that can be, that's very real. That is your existence. And it is frustrating sometimes. So the real challenge is staying high, I call it right. And saying at this, when I look at this bigger picture forest for trees, that's great. That's really exciting. I heard you use the word Uh, before re-language and I wanted to throw that as an opportunity for listeners to to think about you know creating meaning as you as you've done so um, other examples Eric
1: um well actually let me start with re-language and and one quick note what you just gave me is we think when we identify someone who has missed a deliverable for example and we put 100% of the blame on that's what's going wrong but that's not even solid business thought. When you send us back to what you said, the curiosity of what can possibly go wrong, even though it's on me, I've done this, I'm not the whole system. You know, your car doesn't shut off because the taillight's broken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but it's going to call the most attention and get you pulled over. <laughs> and so that's, uh, I thank you for that. The relanguaging, it comes from a work that I'm doing uh, in collaboration with NYU as a professor there by the name of uh, Tom Jacobs. And the word itself came from uh, currently and formerly incarcerated people that he's working with uh, to write, meaning essays, all different types of literature, but it's professional writing. And so I take that out of the the, the genre, which is known as prison writing. People will be familiar with that. But the error that we all came to really quickly to try to combat is I don't want to locate it. This is... And so one of the gentlemen who was writing with us, he says, yeah, I've been struggling with that and I've been trying to relanguage this space so that people could actually see our writing and not only see the place from which it is coming, which is valid, but when they start there, we have a hard time battling out of all the the ideas and cliches that they associate with me, they incarcerated and they miss the literature. So (laughs) that word blew me away so that's what he's doing. He's relanguaging the space and we're leading with the literature in different ways.
2: That is so profound. And I see, I, it comes to me as the the person who is or was incarcerated being able to look at themselves in a different light, perhaps not the light mm-hmm. that they think other people are seeing them. And folks, that's just, that can be hard for all of us. And oh, then yeah. that's a change, but also the change of people And I'm not familiar, frankly, um, Eric, with the term prison writing. So thanks for sharing that. Um, But how we unknowingly could be an unconscious bias might start to think about people differently. So do you have a sense, as you just with working with Tom, is it harder for the individual? Is it harder for the external folks to rethink, to, to be able to then relanguage?
1: This, I would love to put to your audience because take any difficult situation and, and try to do the work that these gentlemen are doing. It's harder for them, it's harder for the external people, but it's, they're the ones who have to lay the context. And so when people see the writing is coming from prison, we don't deny, I mean, that's the definition, but trying to build a context that will allow people open open thought and open uh, visuals on the 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 work itself. That's the issue. And we have the same issue when I say, okay, I live in Oxford and I'm a writer. We've also still violated the context, but it's violated in some sort of positive social way, but that can also still have us miss the meaning. And so the, we, we've literally taken those two examples. Oxford prison. People approach both of those with heavy stereotype and the, the temptation is to miss the actual meaning. And so we come down to a language that acknowledges difficult space, acknowledges it, but also creates a, a runway for people. You know? And we, how do we do that? Just leading absolutely with sentences and phrases from the writing itself that, that capture people. And then you'll see, oh, it came from here or it came, it came from prison or it came from Oxford. It doesn't matter. The first opening line of this essay is what drew the attention at. And so that's where we're, where we're doing it.
2: I love this notion. And I offer for listeners, and I, I could see it being pretty easy for people to nod their heads and say, yeah, yeah, we want to we wanna see and hear the work for the work right? Not whatever biases we have for the person or where the person came from. Mm -hmm. One way to perhaps be proactive about that folks is to say, you know, it's just, it's an awareness thing. Hey, I know we're coming from different places and we unconsciously have things we may value more or less. And I want to ask folks to really lean hard into like, focus on the words, focus on this, just help people, right? Help people stay high. Just the awareness that we might have bias. I mean, we just do, and, and it's fine. There's no reason to judge it. It does make yeah. me think about, right, the, you know, and, and I'm just really empathetic for the young people these days, the college journey, and did you go to this yeah. name brand school? And if you don't go to the, you know, it's a lot of pressure. Um, and, and I And I do think that for those who have some of the privilege of some of those names, those voices can be really spectacularly powerful to say, hey, you know, let's, let's look at places that might not be uh, where we're coming from. And just a quick segue, I want to shout out to my friends at Alpine Investors and I had heard from them, you know, they had recruited into this private equity firm from these top business schools and they were starting a program to recruit from community colleges. And I was like, way mm. to go, right? How awesome yes. is that?
1: Yeah, if you want to get different thought in there. You have to get people who come from different lanes of thought. And then it it, it puts us then into a place where, you know, we swing, I I call it, we swing between euphemism and epithet. If I say prison writer, that's an epithet. If I say the writing of a formerly incarcerated person, it's going to sound like euphemism. And so if I just lead with the sentence, and, and, and I do a lot of this blindly and say, here, read this, and people go, whoa, and so then we do discover the source of it. And then violating a negative expectation, which is like you say, our bias, it gives that person even more upside. You see what I'm saying? When people yeah. discover the writer, but we're not we're not patronizing the writer by saying, Oh wow, well, the person who did this is in prison. I'm saying no, you're already captivated by the the language. And for the people who really need the most brutal examples, I say, Well, you say you know wine, we're gonna put these in a these that are famous and these that are out of the 7-eleven on the shelf in, a, in just a plain glass. <laughs> now, blind test and see what's good. You know, the blind yeah. test is what reveals our own biases. You know, can you read it and say this is good or it's not good? You know, we're yeah. brutally honest with that stuff. And so yeah. trying to achieve a certain level of blindness, like I say, to do the blind test, to, to discover our biases, that's what helps Build this context, and that's all we're trying to do is build a context where people can take the work for the work itself, and that's where the, the the gentleman came up with. I've been trying to relanguage this space so I can give people access to what I'm thinking without looking at me as a prisoner.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So that, yes. That Strong um, to me. That's very very powerful. So as we wrap, I am curious, Eric, as you you know, in everyone, we're all on our own journeys, but in your journey, particularly encountering this latest body of work, how would you say you've grown or what have you learned? What's been um, a big shift for you, if any?
1: Mm -hmm. I I thought I was curious before, and I believe that I am, but when I learned, uh, just through these past couple of times, like you can take what you know and put it to the same hard test, like what we take as a given. Oh, of course, I'm open to different perspectives. Of course, I have a, I have access to a diversity of thought. But that diversity, it should bring the same questions to what you're comfortable with. And here's here's the one thing, I, I, if I can put it in a capsule. If we're being honest with any of our language, there should be some kind of counterintuitive discovery that, that speaks itself. You know, it shouldn't be the same old, same old. It should be, holy cow, I thought we were... I I knew this and I know this, but it's giving me a different reading in the data, which is we trust each other as a team, but holy cow, we're not actually a team when we query that. I'm saying take a high-performing team, and you may discover, as we have, there are some gaps in what they're calling high performance. They might be high-performing in their own minds and leave a lot on the table with respect to the people that they're serving, and I've seen that. That's amazing, and that's when there's all joy in the team when they're they're already getting along, but they discover, oh my goodness, we can go back and make this work a lot better. Meaning, starting not with dysfunction even, but discovering dysfunction because we thought everything was good. And you can only get there with a language that's honest and critical on what you think is going well, not just the problems. That's what hit me so hard. Our-
2: wow. Honest and critical language on what's going well, not just the problems. That's huge. Um, you've been awesome. Do you have a top takeaway from a little chat, Eric?
1: I just want to say thank you because that, that, that was it. Because you, you sent me right back into the lab on, oh, what do I think is going well? And you were able to capsulize uh, what, I, what I thought I just said. I, I didn't put it in the words you did, but that helped me, and I was just writing them down. <laughs> and critical language on what I think is going well. That's it.
2: I appreciate you, Eric. Big smile on my face. You take good care. You know how to reach me. I'm cheering for you and we're going to be in touch uh, very, very soon. Take good care.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much to you and and to your people listening. I love that whole environment. Yeah,
2: we love it. We love it. We'll cross paths again soon. You take good care.
1: Okay, dok Bye now.
2: Okay. So smiley. We are heading south, um, and we had some great southern temperatures over the weekend. We're heading to Georgia, and I am thrilled to welcome Cindy to the show. Cindy, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Molly. So I appreciate your making time and then trust a busy schedule, and I am really curious what the tough
3: talk or situations on your mind. I... I am very uh, concerned with um, my growth at my company and I want to continue. I think I am a team player, but I I struggle in a company as positive and people forward as ours, kind of calling a situation ugly in a way that isn't, um, that is received well and doesn't make me look selfish. And specifically I'm talking about, I was in a situation in a department and the direction uh, of that department was going in a way that really wasn't serving me very well or, or looking toward my real talents. And I, I got in a position where I just became an outcast in that I couldn't, or I wasn't able to get along in the, in the current direction our boat was rowing. And I basically ended up saying, I need out of this department. And I think it really showed poorly on me. I think uh, luckily I had a lot of uh some credibility in my company and I knew a lot of the um uh, the key players. And so I was able to get out, but I just feel like it kind of was left a tarnish on me. And I'd like to talk about how to handle those situations better.
2: Ugh. Thank you for putting this out there. I, that's tough. I can hear a bit of anguish and it's, it's tough. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I, I can imagine listeners out there relating this and, you know, lots of times we can see what's going on. Um, you you know, the department heading in a way that maybe wasn't good for it, maybe wasn't good for you. Um, but we've also got to meet people where they are. So it's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it can be a tough line. So I want to first acknowledge that it's not an easy space. And I also want to call out, don't be too hard on yourself or wish you could have done whatever you did, what you can do. And you, you found a way out, right? Which is which is positive. So I think this is a time for some self-compassion. Okay, Cindy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think the opportunity when folks see, um, see something, is just saying, hey, I see it this way. And it's we all have our reality and we think we're right. That's why we have it and the ability to to just consider huh right obviously if it's so obvious to me maybe my question is why isn't it so obvious to everyone else and i know that can seem like oh what a trivial thing to ask myself but the point is people aren't seeing it the same way so kind of in those early stages this is where my previous caller eric the curiosity notion is without being judging. And this is not easy, especially if you see something that you think is not right. Well, why is it this way? It's very easy to come across as complainy, whiny or negative, even though you may actually be right. Right. So I just want to pause on that for folks. This is where we shout out to Marshall Goldsmith. You know, it's not about being right. And I learned this way too long in life. We do want to get to right folks. I'm not saying, you know, abdicate that, but really solving for the relational part and realizing that if a situation is the way it is, it's serving the group somehow, right, Cindy? And so that might be just worth investigating, saying, ha, why is it this way? And again, I don't wanna put any pressure that this could have or should have been different, but that might be a place to just do some examining. And I call that level setting on the current state because we can't go to a certain place if we don't agree where we are, right? We'll never chart the same path. So let me just right. pause there. How's that landing for you?
3: I think it, it is landing well. I f- you know, it is hard when it, it all of the management, all the decision-making is coming top down and you just find yourself in that position. And, uh, it's clear this is the way we're going. And, and it does sometimes feel like, a, are you with us or are you not? And that does, that kind of leaves you out in the cold and you don't feel like, you have any um, agency in your department um, because of that and feeling really alone.
2: Yeah, yes, I hear you. This is huge. I'm gonna take this from two angles. So the feeling of decisions coming top down um, and and there is a time for that. So I think as the person in the group, the ability to say, hey, you know, I know we all wanna do the right thing. I might have missed uh, a communication, so you kind of oh maybe you miss it, but you know it just just kind of feels like this is a little and maybe these are strong words. My way or the highway Mm -hmm. is that the case? Question mark. Yeah, and it's hard to do that without judging, without a judgy tone. So that takes being very zen, having meditated, and just asking, because Mm -hmm. I heard you say you have a people oriented, you know, culture. They sounds like they care about people, so it would be a bit of a disconnect to be stamping, you know, authoritarian for the sake of it. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that just might be a a point of curiosity. Um, And so I would say for, for leaders, when you have, you know, like listen, you're the leader, you can make the choice. And you can tell people I'm the boss and I'm making the choice and that's fair, totally fine. No problem. Just be clear. If there are situations and this is the, you know, what takes to be successful for change. What's the new information coming into the system? What's the shared purpose for the group? What, you know, how do people participate so that you're hearing all voices, right? Um, And what's the process, meaning who decides? Meaning we can take a lot of input. I might still decide, so it doesn't really, right? So that's fine, and you just gotta lay it out there. And I think lots of times leaders aren't as explicit. And sometimes, let's say it's short notice, you don't have all the information, you know that, hey team, we gotta go this way not asking. We just got to move. Fine, right? Teams like, got it. Got it. You can't have your cake and eat it too, though, if you say, well, I care what everyone thinks. And then there's a feeling that it's a my way or the highway. And so you want to create space. Maybe you're not intending for it to be my way or the highway. And I know a lot of leaders who do suffer from this. The, and it may not be their fault. People tend to think that the boss says something. It's kind of that's what you have to do. i was just going to pause there. Is that the two levels? landing for you.
3: Yes, absolutely. And, and I, I like the idea of, you know, just saying, is there room for more input here? Is there room for more voices? Uh, you know, can we, you know, do, I think it's great if we could find a place, even though I, I do have people above me, if they're kind of asking us to stack hands on it and, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, have some buy-in. I think, that, I think that would make everything a little easier, um, you know, how we can best use everyone's skills in this new environment. Um, I, I think all of those things would have been very helpful. And, and you know, I have made it through and I'm, I'm very happy in what I'm doing now. So, yeah, I'm looking back going, oh, gosh, what, what could have done it? what we could have done to just make everyone feel more valuable and less confrontational. And I think these are some good questions.
2: Yeah. So, and then let's lean into that. Cause I I've been and seen and experienced these kinds of situations. So you've got this sense like, ah, it's not quite right. Like what has to give and for leaders, and I'm not saying this is your situation, but sometimes mm-hmm. for leaders who are a little perhaps less experienced, you know, part of it is like, well, I've got to make it this way. You know, I've got to get it done now. And there's this kind of a sense of it needs to be fast and now. And it's important to bring people along too, right? So in, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a, there's a balancing act there. And I think the ability for folks on the team to first acknowledge the leader. Wow, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get the pressure and we really love working here and we appreciate the decision-making. You know, whatever is authentically something that's a way to acknowledge. I don't think this is what you're intending. I just have to share. For me, this feels blank. Whatever your experience is, it's fair to share. You're not making other people's experience wrong. You're just putting it out there. And by the way, you might say, "I maybe I'm the only one who's experiencing that. And if so, got it. I just feel like I want to put it out there for the team in case anyone else feels the same way, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next thing could be, I know we want to have everyone feel included. Do folks have ideas for how that could be the case? Or here's something that I thought about. I'm just offering it for consideration. Right. Right. So so I just think then there's a, there's a bit of a neutrality. And again, if you are feeling really strongly, you think something's wrong and you see right, it is hard to come across that way. So you have to really consider, hey, is it about me and my ego and me being right? Or is it about creating transparency or perhaps a different way to consider it? And I'm here to help create the container of space where we can you know, get different folks to call it out. Generally speaking, it's not just one person. Mm -hmm. who senses something, it's generally it isn't right. And so you're just helping everyone to feel empowered because at the end we want to help the whole, right? This, this, the way for the group to thrive is all of us as individuals can thrive. And there's a trade-off too. So that I think that just know that as decisions are made, it's not about consensus. I want to say it's, you know, 19% or, or there's a percentage of, that are the kind of the change where we align, we go along with it. we don't necessarily agree, but we align because we, we see that's the way it's going. And those 19% kind of is the next wave of change. So that's kind of how it works, right? We're not trying to have everyone 100% on board.
3: Right. Can you um, help me a little bit more with the language to not be so much Cindy focused but team-focused in in your in the raising of concerns. So, I mean, I hear that that's kind of the goal is to talk about this is how I'm working for us all. But it often does sound like, no, it's about me.
2: Yeah. So that can be what I call in the bubble when people are worried. Oftentimes people say, I don't want to say something because it'll look like I'm not a team player, right? And yeah. that pulls a lot of people back. So I always encourage folks, when it's in the bubble and you're thinking about it, that's an opportunity for transparency and saying hey i just i want to put this out there you know maybe this this situation would make it better for me it's not about me and i don't want to come across as just going for you know number 1 here right. and you, you know be authentic about it. i just i don't want folks to you know you have the courage to put it out there it's really not about me i i just i see this and i and i'm saying it because i care really deeply about the team and i just want to to be helpful so that we potentially consider a 360 view.
3: Yeah,
2: I totally get it. If I'm odd person out. um, And I just appreciate everyone's openness to hear my thoughts. Yeah. And I I just want folks, you know, I just want folks that I'm with you and I'm supporting the team. mm -hmm. Um, Does that help you with, you know, there's no magic sauce, Cindy, but there is a, a level of really being earnest. Um, and, and there's a tone, you know, we can all tell when someone's like digging in and it's about them. So it's, and it's not easy to let that go.
3: Well, what I love um, that you're saying is, I mean, none of it is a facade and none of it is, you know, a, a can dialogue. It, it is true. Uh, I'm for the team. I want this company to do well. I want our customers to feel really valued. And so all of those things are true. And just by kind of, Turning the spotlight off myself and turning it toward the group, I, I think it does make all the difference. Great, great
2: awareness and you know you might have a sense to share and then it might be you know I've shared, and I would love to go around and just hear other folks experience and just so folks know it doesn't have to be the leader or the facilitator who mm-hmm. invites other folks to share because you you know, I can't know what everyone's thinking. And I would love it if folks don't mind a, a moment or two to share with me what's going on for you.
3: Right. Nope, that's perfect. I love it. Right. I love and,
2: all- and then away from folks, you know, I say it can be very edgy in a group situation. So after, you know, and, and it's it's worth looping back saying, hey, you know, I, I it was a little bit of a vulnerable thing for me to put that out there. And I'm just wondering how, how you think I came across. Then right. just ask folks, And whatever they say, you say, thank you for that input. You're not here to argue. (laughs) You're here to say, you know, I I really appreciate that. That's going to be helpful for me.
3: Well, and I think um, one of my takeaways will be to follow up with people who I hear saying the hard things and just letting them know I like their bravery and their candor and build that up in other people.
2: Okay. Love, love, love this. And I want to call this out particularly for leaders, because the leaders that I work with all want to hear the tough stuff. They're not trying to work in some dreamland. Trust me, folks, you might think that that's what they want. That is not what they want. However, sometimes they forget how important it is to reinforce that that's what we want. You know, we want to have a full, you know, the the fully, um, voices really fully being heard, right? We want people fully self-expressed in a skillful way, right? So it's just saying, hey, if something's wrong, let's not make it sound like blame where people are waking up in the morning, trying to hose the company, right? That's not what's happening. But I think for leaders to say, you know, I know we get along great. I want to just encourage everyone. If you're thinking something, you see an opportunity or something could be better, love it, want to hear it. And and when someone shares something that might be tough news or what have you the number one thing is uh oh, thank you so much for sharing that that i know that might have been hard so that just immediately signals safe space again may not agree but the voice was heard it was acknowledged maybe it was a counterpoint of view yeah you know, i hear you on that let me share this and see if this makes sense and so you're getting to a deeper level of understanding but most importantly you're empowering people to realize that your voice does matter and when we do that that's how we get to the accurate shared reality right which helps us you know make the best decisions execute with speed and get to great outcomes uh a follow-on thoughts what's on your mind Cindy
3: honestly I am um I'm loving this uh I you know kind of in my everyday I'm um Dealing with a, a whole group of people that I'm meant to serve, and I think sometimes um, serve in an administrative way, um, and uh, I'm curious how I can do more encouraging for them to utilize me. I feel like their their ideas that uh, they're taking work um, to make it easier for me, but it's my job, and I'd like to encourage them to utilize me.
2: Oh, this is a great one so um are you in a a new role where they like they they were doing stuff and there's a chance for them to to provide you for you to do their work yes okay right so understand that they're they're cruising along great right Mm -hmm. pre-cindy right yeah so it's probably acknowledging saying hey um and i and i think this relational part is just spending a little bit of time knew the team get to know the person who they are who you are spend a little of relationship building time great investment and um, ask, hey, hey what's, you know, what do you love about your job? What's working well? What's hard? Just get to know what, what's going on for them. What's challenging? Yeah. It, almost like a macro business sense because you're just trying to understand what it's like to be in their shoes,
3: oh, absolutely. which is
2: key to connection, right? And then saying, hey, one of the things I'm here is to help you really focus on the things that move the needle for the organization. Mm-hmm. So I want to be really proactive and I know sometimes it can be hard for folks to let go, so that's why I'm doing that. You know, what are mm-hmm. some things that we can we can talk about here that are gonna help you really let it rip? You know, and let's say you get a good amount, but let's say you don't get enough. So you might say, okay, okay I want to I want to challenge you and just play with me, right? Just say, hey, play with me. What if you let go of something you didn't think you could? Would that give you room to grow? All right. No, mm-hmm. Again, you can't force them, but you just let them yeah. know I'm here, and then. You can say, I can imagine it can be a little bit um, unsettling because you were doing it before. What can I do to instill the confidence in you that it's getting done?
3: Right. Absolutely. Well, and I one thing I did, and I, I was surprised at myself, that I took an opportunity. I saw something in an email and I called this person and I said, tell me more about this supplement you're taking or, you know, Whatever it was, it was something personal that had been thrown out there. And we ended up talking for a long time. And I feel like I never had a connection with that person before. And now I'm kind of looking for those, you know, how can I call someone up and ask them more about their life or um, just have them know me better in a, in a way that maybe lets them trust more with me, more of their duties.
2: Love it. I just want to encourage that. Uh, over and over and over because you know lots of times at work that just isn't what happens we're just there do the job program manage right run the numbers Mm -hmm. add them up you know subtract them whatever and so you know there's a fine line we're not here just to yak at work but in that process i think we get to know folks for who they really are and in my experience when you give someone a chance to be who they really are and still loved and respected it's a huge win
3: well and it's hard with the national um footprint and not everyone's in the same office. I'm not having coffee talk with, you know, the majority of the people I work with or for.
2: Yeah. It can be a strategy. And I know teams that do this. Quick round, Robin, as you get started, right? Hey, what's going on for folks? Give people a chance to share. Just kind of helps them be real, helps them perhaps let go of something baggage they're coming to the call with. And that can be a very efficient um, and effective way to kind of bring the people part into the conversation. Uh, Cindy, you've been super. Do you have a top takeaway of our little chat?
3: Um, I, I think looking for the shared purpose in our group, um, making, you know, trying to create a space, whether I'm a leader someday or at bottom up to um, have room for more than one voice.
2: Love it. I'm cheering for you. So you keep me posted, Uh, you know how to reach me. And if I can be of more help, you let me know and take good care.
3: Thank you.
2: Spectacular. Okay, we're heading to the big state of Texas now. And I am thrilled to welcome Chris to the show. Chris, welcome to Say It Skillfully.
4: Hey, good morning, Molly. Thank you for um, having me back. And I'm really excited about um, our topic today. Well, take it away. He's okay, so it's um, not very easy for me to publicly ask for help on this. And I really admired how earlier you mentioned about uh, the power of vulnerability. And so I have, um, I have autism. And as a professional, uh, that's something that has created barriers in my life. And I'm really happy to be here because I know there's many others out there who are just like me and struggle with a job approach as well as just day-to-day interactions because the best way I can put it is people on the spectrum, we might express it in different ways, but we just don't have an autopilot when it comes to social navigation. And so we, might uh, some of us might have a very uh, monotone type of voice while others um it just feels like we're kind of clueless when it comes to certain situations like for example have you ever felt like you were going through a meeting and it felt like everyone got the memo except for you on a certain topic yep it's uh it's it's like that almost every day for me because if there's unspoken rules, um, say, for example, in a job approach, um, I'm currently going through rounds of interviews, and there's just certain li- um, landmines where you're supposed to always say this because it means, say, for example, when someone says to me in an interview, tell me about yourself. When I was in college, I didn't even know what that meant. like. <laughs> I didn't know that was your chance to sell yourself to say why you're good for the job because you bring X, Y, Z to the table. And so back in college, I've been in interviews where someone asked me that, like, so tell me about yourself. Um, why are you a good fit for this role? And I would just sit there and like, I just blankly stared at them for like 15 seconds. And we just awkwardly really looked at each other. I was like, well, what do you want to know about me? I, what do you mean, tell me about yourself? And so, like, it's like, I I just didn't know that was just the unspoken rule that when they say that, that means that's when you should sell yourself and show why you're a fit for this role. And so, if no one's ever coached me through that, or just explain it and take the lead, then usually vague questions like that just don't land very well with me. and. I'm just curious, how would you uh, frame it in a way where I'm not playing the victim? Because I know disability has become, um, sometimes in situations, stigmatized. And some people just get uncomfortable just hearing that word, but what they don't understand is I'm already trying my best. Yeah. And it's, it's hard because sometimes it lands well when I ask for help. like just for reasonable accommodations for like interviews, I would always have to send a guide of uh, how to interview people on the spectrum because very general questions. uh, It sometimes just doesn't land well because we don't know where to begin. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. I am. um, I'm very humbled that you are raising this on the show, Chris, and I did not know you had autism so thank you for the courage to bring it up to be so articulate and so skillful my friend and i've already learned a lot um only highlighting how little i know uh, about this so really kudos to you and um for for really speaking on behalf of others who have uh, whether it's autism or other disabilities so i think the number one thing chris is that And you have this is that you value you you value you and it starts with you Um, you're perfectly imperfect the way all of us are and what may be considered a disability or disadvantage has a flip side potentially so just know that and standing tall in your own shoes being self-assured is the number one two and three thing for all folks Right. It's not up to others to necessarily roll out the carpet. We'd love them to do that if they're more aware. But if they're not, that's okay. You stand tall. Okay. And how people behave when you do ask for help and what you say is information for you to process if a certain place or a certain person is a good fit for you. It doesn't mean it's a bad organization or a bad person, but it may not be a good fit for you, which is okay. You just want to know, you just want the information so that you can make as informed a decision as you can.
4: Okay, yeah, that makes sense because I've been to companies where I absolutely don't agree with how they treat others. And I uh, empathize really well when you said that um, it comes as just a tool, it has its um, strength and its weaknesses because the thing is uh, some people might just see the bad side for example i um, when i speak it, it's usually very factual and very literal i don't have like an underlying agenda um, i think very mathematically uh very just logically like mathematically logical where it's step by step like uh, a flow chart and so If I'm very factual and direct, sometimes that lands very well because it saves people time and I just get right to the topic. But then that that as a blessing is that's the positive side, but then others might misinterpret it, that directness, as being um, insensitive or being blunt. And that's something that I am um, always working on to be self-aware Since um, sometimes people on the spectrum, we struggle with answering questions because we have to think about it from your point of view. And so many times, say in interviews, when you ask a question, we might take a while to filter in our head what we can and can't say because it just might not land well. That could be misinterpreted as us not listening or us... um, not understanding the question like in an interview yeah and I guess how do you play up the strengths in that since it's both a curse and a blessing yeah so I found that when um, I'm able to already be in a team it helps leaders that lead the group be more self-aware and how their words really do affect others
2: yeah yeah Okay, here's some thoughts in no particular order, and um, love to just co-create a way forward for you. I think there's a, I appreciate, Chris, how much you are owning your um, ability to be more self-aware, to respond to the other person. I got it. I see an opportunity and a role of folks like you as an educator, because folks like me who are not really aware of it at all, like clueless, just, we don't even know what's going on. We can't be helpful. And so I think part of that is just your own, in a compassionate and a confident way. Hey, one thing before we start, let's say we're doing an interview, before we start the interview, I just want to offer that I have um, grown up and lived with autism, do a little education on that. Uh, are Are you, do you have familiarity with autism and see where the person is? They may say, oh my gosh, my cousin, my daughter, who knows. They might say, you know what, I have no idea. But your ability to be forthright with it, I think is, you know, like for me, it was just very humbling and, and it's gonna, I think already set a positive stage. So one of the things, so let me just do a little bit of, you know, working with or interviewing Autism 101, a few things. And, and you might just say, you know, I I process very logically and very directly, that might come across as X. I just I just want you to know that um, if I'm pausing, often I might be filtering because I'm just trying to make sure that I say what's appropriate. It's not as easy for me as it might be for you to just come up with the right words. Maybe there's three things you help them educate. So I just want to start with that. How's that sound? Oh, that's great. Thanks so much, Chris. Okay, you might also say you know the what a question that may seem specific to you may seem very general to me. So I want to to let you know in advance, I might ask for more detail because that helps me to give you the information that you'd like to have. So let me just pause there.
4: Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. to just own it, have an ownership mindset and put it out there because they're not mind readers. Um, Exactly. (laughs)
2: Exactly. They're not mind leaders. And, you know, I think when you, I presume you've done research and I I appreciate the culture here and I've read that you really want to, you know, embrace the diversity and I really appreciate the opportunity. And I think part of my own growth journey um, helps me be someone who, you know, I think would help an organization be better, see people for who they are, embrace our differences as strengths. Right. And so I understand, you know, so maybe there's a few lines, you, if you will memorize this a little bit of your pitch so that you feel comfortable about that, but that's a huge advantage, right? When people come in, have a very different life experience. Um, it really helps, you know, for folks who doesn't have it, it helps, it helps reinforce for people who do right. That this is a place that values that. And I think, you know, as you see with the, if you will, the diversity push lately, you know, people do. They they want to create an environment that does welcome and helps people all live to their full potential. They just don't know how to do it, always, right, Chris? So, you you are in that way a big part of the solution.
4: Um, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because uh, I have noticed that. Uh, for example, I'm on a a committee board. I'm a board member for business development in um, Houston Society of Petroleum Engineers. And one of our main initiatives, um, now that we've had reelections for our um, committee, our new chair, she's really, really been supportive of um, just my, my overall vision is just have better community building and just foster that community because any business is a people business. And she saw the value in that and having everyone be able to bring their full selves to work. Because the way I see it is DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. That, yeah, a big portion of it is being equitable and fair to everyone. But there's a lot more to it than just being nice. A lot of it's also allowing people to be at the full capacity, just having that, um, oh, I hate the word, <laughs> human resource.
0: <laughs> 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 having,
4: like, their full selves and that itself is value additive and the fact that i need that i need to feel safe i need to know that i'm going to be valued for my first self so i can bring my cool self because it just doesn't serve everyone best if i'm operating at 50 percent. because it takes a lot of energy to um it's called masking where people on the spectrum we tend to try to hide certain Quirky behaviors or just stereotypical um, tics that might make others know that we're autistic or on the spectrum, and that masking it takes a lot of energy. How would you um, approach, say, uh, from a very positive um, perspective in asking for that help? Because With such a stigmatized um, point of view sometimes where people just hear the word autism or disability, they might sometimes shut down. How do you make sure that that channel of communication stays open so that it's received well and you do ask for help?
2: Yeah. So this is the thing. You can ask and be skillful and do the right thing, and that's all you can do. We can't control how others respond. How they respond is information for you right? And so for me, if you put it out there, it doesn't have to be perfect, but hey, I have this, I'm working with it. This is what I need to be my best. And if they are with you, they're with you. And if they're not, don't, we don't hate them, but we just think that might not be a place that Chris can flourish. That's okay. That's information for you. I I mean, I can hear it in your voice. You want to do the right thing. You're willing to put it out there. You're willing to own it. Right, Chris? And just feel really great with that. And you want folks who deserve to have you. If they don't deserve it and it's not going to be a good fit, that's okay. That's okay. Right. You don't, you don't have to control them. I want to continue the conversation with you after I know we have to wrap. So just real quick, a top takeaway. Um, and then we can talk post-show.
4: Yeah, I, I would say it's been very informative. Um Just making sure to have that human connection. And when I do Uh, approach an interview, uh, just to always be upfront about it, own it, have an ownership mindset so that we can grow together as a a team, as just interviewer and interviewee
2: Fantastic. Fantastic. You take good care. We'll be in touch, Chris. Okay, folks, my thought for the week, trust the goodness in yourself and the goodness in those around you. That's the ultimate show of confidence. And that's from Jeff Warren. That's a wrap, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways and know I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life.
5: Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The US spends $12 billion a year responding but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem.